Have you heard you can listen to your favorite gripping investigations ad-free? Good news! With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free. Or go to amazon.com slash ad-free true crime. That's amazon.com slash ad-free true crime to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hello, welcome. Let's chat. It's hard. You want to talk? I know, that's disappointing. Sit back. Let's work this out. What are we doing here? Where are you going? I'm never going to think about Quantum Leap in the same way. You know, I've been thinking about Quantum Leap a lot. I used to love that show. I used to uh, love it. Love it. MacGyver was my number one. Yeah, me too. And then Quantum Leap. Yeah. Quantum Leap was great because every episode was a fish out of water story, which I think are the best stories. They are. It's like a really great way to exercise your empathy muscle. Uh, uh-huh. This would be good for you. Ellen Westberg in Quantum Leap. Welcome to Trauma Bonded. I'm Ellie Westberg here with Therese Garcia. Hello. And today we are discussing, this is actually happening episode 303 What if your brother became a monster? And a brief synopsis, especially for those of you who don't actually listen to the episode. Uh, Amy, our storyteller, is raised in a home with an absent father, a very committed, wise, and loving mother, and a brother who seems to have been born evil. Over the years, Amy thrives while her brother Jesse continues to decline into antisocial behavior and is unable to find his footing in the world in any capacity. And people, he sees no community, but only tools for him to use. One awful night, Amy arrives home to find her brother has murdered their mother. After a manhunt, he is caught and imprisoned, yet his abuse has now turned from his mother toward his sister. Amy decides to work for justice rather than to wait for it, to make sure he truly sees life behind bars. Amy's legacy and that of her mother's is seen in her own children and in the community of survivors she continues to serve. And full disclosure, I am the showrunner for This Is Actually Happening, and I have the privilege to vet stories and conduct pre-interviews before they go to wit for the final interview. And T knows nothing about anything. She comes in fresh. And this show, Trauma Bonded, is for the listeners, a space where we can talk about each episode, digest it, and reflect on it with empathy and also a bit of levity. 
tea? You know what I'm going to ask. What stuck out to you as the heart of Amy's story? Um, you know, I decided to do a one-word heart this time, and I went with testimony. Preach. Obviously, there's the legal testimony, right? Recalling the events, you know. But then testimony in terms of, you know, telling her story, sharing her story, right? And she said it, you know, she's lending her voice to her mother and herself in her book. She's now a grief writer. And I was thinking testimony as a parent to her children and really trying to stop those effects of the, you know, generational trauma, you know, having an open dialogue and helping others as well, not just her her kids, her family, but yeah. So I thought uh, testimony would be a good one, good heart for this one. Um, I think that's good. There's also a religious aspect to testimony that what doesn't is not relevant here, but um, yes. Well, but your testimony is you kind of telling your story of how you are saved. You know, religion does tend to hijack some of these terms that can be without religion. In fact, I think all of us have to work out our own salvation. And I, when I say that, I think people think I mean that in a religious way. But I just mean it's just basically we all have to deal with our own shit. We all have to find our way through. We all have to find a pathway through life. And usually it's dealing with something in the past. And in dealing with something in the past, we can be saved. And Jesus doesn't necessarily have anything to do with it. And that's our plug for for Satanism. We have to do a plug each time. We get paid by the Church of Satan to plug atheism whenever we can. Just kidding, you guys. Wow, everybody's so mad about it. It's like, guys, come on. I found this mug that has this like kind of cartoon depiction of kind of what you would you would think Jesus looks like, like the robe with the sash and the long hair and the beard and all that stuff. And the caption of it, it the caption on it says, who loves you, baby? And on the other side, it says up with the sun. And instead of S-U-N, it's S-O-N. And I think it's just, I think it's like a kind of a secular take on, on Jesus or religion, but I got it for my very spiritual sister and her husband. And I can't tell if they thought I was poking fun of them or if oh. I or they thought it was as cool as I did. I think they're very smart that everyone could maybe find it funny. Honey. And it's just clever on the face of it. I just thought it was really cute and clever, but also like poignant. (laughs) And I just, I'm thinking right now about their looks and their faces when I gave it to them. And I can't decide if they took it as insulting. Oh, I thought they gave it to you. No, I gave it to them. You gave it to them. Oh, that's hugely disrespectful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, the heart of the story to me uh, it was hard for me to come up with, but I think it boils down to we need to talk about Jesse. 
which is a reference to the a little movie from 2011 that made everyone close up their legs and refuse to give birth. We need to talk about Kevin. Um, am I going to have to know that reference to continue on with this? I feel like I've talked to you about this movie no less than a dozen times in our friendship. And the fact okay. that you still don't know what I'm talking about. I'm not insulted, but I'm bewildered. No, no, it does sound familiar. I don't I know I haven't seen it. If you know the if you know what movie I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't know what movie I'm talking about, you need to go find the movie I'm talking okay, about. Okay, I gotta watch it. I gotta watch it. Ooh, should we do it over Christmas? Well, that'd be fun with the kids. I'm just kidding. <laughs> but seriously, y'all. I didn't realize it was a Christmas movie. Um if you're straddling the line between should I procreate and should I not, watch this movie. What if you've already done that? If you've already done it, good luck to you. And if you've done it and you're facing the ordeal that I'm referring to, I've, I, my heart goes out to you. Because what it comes down to is when do you give up on a kid? that seemingly has no possibility of redemption or hope. Is this a documentary? No. I'll just read a bit from the Wikipedia. We Need to Talk About Kevin is a 2011 psychological thriller drama film directed by Lynn Ramsey. Tilda Swinton stars as the mother of Kevin struggling to come to terms with her psychotic son and the horrors he has committed. From him being a toddler on, she sees that he's, one, not attached to her, but two, is exhibiting, like, what Amy talks about, antisocial behavior. And he only seemingly does it toward or in front of his mother, like John C. Riley plays the father, and he doesn't see it at all. And I don't know if this is commentary about how, like, a father kind of has an, an easier parenting role generally. And the mother is just paying attention more or if the kid is actually evil and like kind of, you know, tipping his hat to the mom and then like playing nice kid to the dad. But the film makes the point that she does all that she can to love him. And in fact, anything that any normal person would do. Now, this is further demonstrated years, some years later, they have a second child. Uh, a daughter who is seemingly like perfectly attached and well-adjusted and raised in the exact same parenting way. So the question of the, f the, the question the film begs is, are there kids that are just born psychotic and it's not an issue of nurturing? Is that possible? And if so, what do you do with that? And it's also about a mother's love. And I don't want to spoil too much, but let's just say third act is pretty dire. And she's got this psycho asshole son who really does his very best to demonstrate that he does not care for her at all. But she has the love of a mother and she never gives up loving her son. And it's just reminded me so much of the story that Amy tells. Oh, yeah, that's very parallel. Yeah. So you heard the title. Yes. The title we ended up settling on was, What If Your Brother Became a Monster? And I have to tell you, we thumbed over this title a lot. And 
um, the story came to it um, independent of our usual process. But we were talking about the title, and I only knew a little bit about it. I and I didn't really know exactly what the story would entail, and we again we thumbed around the, this idea of it. You know, can we say that the brother became a monster? Are we honoring his dead mother? Like, would she reject that title? But after listening to the episode, I feel like the title is kind. Like, I don't think it's, yeah. did the brother become a monster? It seems like the brother was born a monster. I don't know if that's possible. That's what I was wondering. That's what I was wondering. Because were you debating the word became or the Both. word monster? Both. Oh, okay. Because became assumes that he wasn't. Right. That he he entered the world on equal footing and he had every chance to be uh, connected and and able to operate in love. And we only have the story of Amy who came after her brother. So we don't know what his first three years of life was like necessarily. No, she did allude to it a little bit. Well, it does seem like he just, he felt abandoned. And as soon as he was abandoned by his father, he started to feel unlovable and unworthy. Yeah. And then everything else in his life kind of kept reiterating to him that he was less than, including his own sister, who seemed to just thrive in her own way. And then she even says that he came to resent the love of his own mother. And that's also something demonstrated and we need to talk about Kevin and I don't want to make the whole episode about we need to talk about Kevin but there are just so many parallels you guys I just I just really encourage you to go watch the movie no I'll watch Christmas it we're gonna watch. watch it we're gonna have to watch it now Christmas watch I'll watch it let's talk about the mom I mean the way mom was brought up is kind of maybe relevant as well well I think this story that Amy's trying to tell is that she doesn't know what love is supposed to look like which is fascinating because she does know how to give it and how to show it. <laughs> but but not give it to herself, maybe. She seems to have a low expectation of men. And not all men. Hashtag not all men. But all the jerks in her life. Her father, her husband, uh -huh. her fucking son. Yeah. If you are a woman who says aloud don't get married on your birthday because yeah. you'll forget the date twice. That's low expectations. That's very low expectations. So you can tell this woman is dragged through a lot. And what's remarkable about that, it almost feels like she is get, she's getting some sort of second chance at doing life through her daughter because she really seems to instill in Amy a real sense of self-worth and self-confidence and self-love. Okay. And it feels like Amy was such a magnificent parenting success. So what is to account for this brother? Was he just born that way? Is it all because of the abandonment at three years old? We don't hear about it, but was was he attached you know, when he was born, did he did he have attachment with his mother? Was there ever a time where he had a brain injury or traumatic brain injury or head injury? 
I mean, we don't know these things. All we know is he was left by his father at three. And then he's further got to be constantly compared to this successful younger sister of his, which I think just continues to breed resentment, further breeds this antisocial behavior. I mean, we don't know. We don't have enough info to know what what, what really went wrong. And fortunately, both their parents are gone now. And and by all accounts, you know, fast forward through murdering his mother and now going through, you know, being in prison and, and going through a terrible litigious abuse against his sister, by all accounts, he doesn't seem to have learned anything from his mistakes. Uh, the fact that he sent pictures of her dead body to his friends immediately after the fact says that he had no connection there. I mean, yeah, he is completely lacking in connectivity. And I, I'm not a doctor. We're not doctors. We try to say that all the time. We're not doctors. But we watch a lot of TV. We do, so. Especially you. And it's hard not to make that leap between, like, if he didn't bond with his mother as a baby, maybe that's why he has general connectivity issues. Or maybe he bonded with his father. And his father just fucking left. I also wonder, was he abused? Because it's not natural or normal to sexually abuse your younger sister that's something that's learned yeah where did he learn that from or is that just part of his psychotic tendencies she doesn't get into too much detail but she says he blackmailed me into xyz he used fear and manipulation either you learn that or you're just evil so something happened to him that she doesn't know about or that he's never admitted to, I think. For him to have the knowledge yeah. of something like that, that's pretty advanced, I'd say. Yeah, advanced evil. And then, you know, as he progresses into his teenage years, his mom has this accident. We don't know what that is. I assume it's probably maybe a car accident or something. And now he's forced into position of caretaker. That sounds like a nightmare. Yeah. Being a psychotic caretaker. Where there's already a lot of resentment. And now you're thrust into this position of not only caretaking, but you kind of have power and control. You're probably not going to do well with that. And there's going to be a lot of bad behavior around that. That dynamic must have been the worst thing. Well, and then she's completely dependent on him so much of the time. What fear she must have been living in. I can't imagine. And then I think about this. He exhibits bad behavior. They call the cops. He goes away for an evening, you know, or two. And then as time goes on, those stints become longer, right? And, And Amy talks about how they felt this reprieve from him where they got to be happy and whole mm-hmm. and peaceful in their house. And I don't know how much awareness Jesse had, but you've got to, you can't tell me that he's not like walking back into that situation and automatically feeling 
like a difference in the temperature of the room from them because they're they're probably not going oh jesse i missed you and we're so glad you're back we couldn't live without you you know so he's just being like it's reaffirmed him over and over and over again that he's not welcome he's not wanted like he's on this path that there seems to be no coming back from they're disappointed when he walks in the door exactly and you're gonna feel that yeah we've all felt that i mean maybe you haven't t i haven't um, but i'm sure yeah you have when uh (laughs) okay i'll leave again well we're always happy to see you well some people just get me um and then they get into teenage years and i love this what amy says about herself she starts to be able to reject his assessments of her i love that too yeah, instead of her, like, internalizing what he's saying, she can, like, look at it and cast it out. And I love this. And you know that this increased his hate of her, increased his resentment of her, <laughs> because he could see that she wasn't empowered or overpowered by him. It sucks because, like, she believed him when when he was like, you're ugly. It's like, yeah, I'm ugly. But then he's like, you're dumb. And you're dumb. She's like, well, I'm not dumb. I mean, I'm ugly. I definitely know that's not true. But I'm definitely not dumb. And then, like, she's starting to, you know, not believe him. And what do you think that means? Jesse hated his mom for loving him too hard. Like, as if he didn't deserve it. But he, like, turned it around a little to blame her for maybe not knowing or understanding him maybe he has some self-awareness you know of he's like i'm a bad person yeah and the fact that you love me makes you stupid yeah there's something wrong with you if you love me like he's already is convinced that he's not worth it I feel like you should be able to understand this because I really feel like, I mean, you're obviously not like Jesse at all, but I feel like from what I know, your mother always found it hard to connect with you and it wasn't for lack of trying or because there wasn't love there, but it wasn't what you needed or how you wanted it to be like when you were a teenager and your mom was like I love you and you're like ew gross get away mom like what (laughs) (laughs) ew gross yeah that's interesting I didn't think about that that you're comparing me to this guy um yeah (laughs) yeah it's funny empathy you've been really you know uh flexing your empathy a little bit yeah no that's interesting and when I think about it yeah it's like she didn't understand me it's a kind of a common trope you see like in movies and tv shows where the mom's like honey um what can I made your special mashed potatoes that you I hate mashed potatoes yeah I hate you get out of my life you know that I've told you this a thousand times (laughs) but really they do love mashed potatoes like is this just like natural teenage rebellion that's supposed to i don't know 
I, evaporate I at some point. I loved it when my mom cooked for me. Sea log. I think there's it's it's almost like relationshipy. Like even with your parents, they have to play a level of hard to get. Like it's a lose lose battle. Like it's scary. You could say anything. I, I mean, feel aren't like you she afraid that you're going to overlove your kids and they're going to turn on you? Oh, I feel like I already overlove. Just today. I love you so much. My kid's like, you tell me that every day. Like, well, because I just say I love you. Well, I know. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Arlo's pretty matter of fact. No, he was nice about it. Yeah. I feel like he's a factual person. He was still sweet about it. Like, and then he was like, I don't want, I don't want to tell you how my secret Santa is. I was like, oh, okay. And he's like, it's someone who tells me that they love me every day and who loves me every day. And I was like, oh, is it me? And he's like, yeah. So he's like sweet about it. Oh. So sweet. Yeah. I don't know if this is similar, but um, when I was around my sister over Thanksgiving, I noticed, like, I kind of was sick for a few days, and I was sneezing a lot, and every time I sneezed, she would say, God bless you, and I finally was like, hey, I appreciate that God bless yous, but you don't have to say it every time I sneeze, and she was like, okay, and I could tell her kind of hurt her feelings. Oh, come on. Why do you have to be like that? Exactly. Why are, Why would we reject love and concern yeah. and care? I th- well, in the moment, I thought I was letting her off the hook. And, and the reason that she was so emphatic about making sure she said it every time is because she worked with this mega bitch at her last job who would never say it. And and she couldn't believe that she would never say it. So like she became this like crazy ass God bless you or you know. Oh God. There is a fine line to walk in how we love each other. And sometimes when it's overdone, people reject it. And I think that especially expresses itself between parent and child. I think that it's I wonder if it was forced. Such a hard road to hoe. Yeah. So he fails out of the army twice. Well, yeah. Which feels really hard to do. It seems hard. I mean, somebody's yelling at you. Won't you break? I feel like he never broke. Well, he claimed he claimed uh, pneumonia the first time and abuse the second time. I would break quickly. Oh, I would never make it through a day. Yeah. You know, he hacks her dating profile so she can't date. It's interesting because he wants her off her ba- his back, right? But he does stuff like that. Just to sabotage. So she still needs to, like, hang with him. Like, if, if, if he hadn't done that, maybe she would have dated and been away from him for a bit. But it's almost like he also needs her. When do you give up on your own kid? And But T- what do you do? When? I would never do it. Ever? Who knows? Never ever. I mean, if he's gonna murder me, that's the line. Apparently, but then it's too late. You don't realize. It sounds like it came close several times, right? Yeah. But what do you? What do you? Oh, I guess they just go to jail. You just accept 
that eventually this person's going to kill me. Yeah. Let's talk about the night of the murder. She calls Amy many times. He calls Amy many, t- many times. What's happening in this house? What's happening? He, she's calling because she's feeling threatened. Why don't she call the police? Why doesn't she say to Amy what she's feeling? Well, he's standing there and he's calling. He's calling too. Like, like as if, if she were there, what, I mean, I hope she doesn't think this, but what if she walked in at seven, not 1030? Yeah. yeah. They're both asking her to come home basically, or just asking when she's going to come home. But to me, it sounds like they're begging her to come home because neither of them can take control of the situation. Like something's escalating. It's escalating and escalating, and they know that it's going to take a third party yeah. to cut cut the tension. But you're right. She's not calling the cops, which she has done in the past. I just I can't help but wonder like what those moments were before he plunged a knife in her neck. Like what was it that's put him over the edge oh i did some research oh research alert again very light i was so light i didn't even remember that i did this um i i i had just because i guess she obviously wasn't anonymous and she did use names and last names jesse winnick Mm -hmm. so i looked it up in in the article I read, um, her mom had asked him to clean up after he'd made a sandwich. Wow. It's a bit simplified, I think, but that was... They, that was his I mean, testimony? It was a very short... It was in the article. I don't know if it was testimony, but... That's fucked. And that's... After that, that's when he did it. Do you think it was always his at- intention that he was going to kill her? Or do you think it was in the heat of the moment? That he just couldn't take her nagging voice one second longer. It sounds he's been intend. I mean, not, I don't know intending, but he's been threatening, hating her for years. Yeah, it was inevitable, and unfortunately, Amy never saw it and didn't believe it because you don't believe it. You don't. Yeah. Do you think that? Amy's mom gave up her life for Amy's freedom, as she posits. In retrospect, maybe. I don't know what it's like to be a mom, but I do think that Amy's mom knew that she was going to die at some point. Like, she was, I think she knew it was going to, that there was no positive outcome that could ever come from Jesse. And maybe that it wouldn't necessarily like end in her murder, but she knew Jesse was going to do something really bad to someone that would cause a finality of his freedom that or that would either kill him or put him away forever. I think it's like that looming dread we sometimes feel. Yeah. You you just know a situation's not going to end up good and you, you don't know how to stop it. And you don't know what it's going to look like, but you sense it. Yeah. I think she knew, hence the phone calls. Yeah. But she doesn't know what to do. She doesn't have the tools to do it like so many other people have given up on him. She doesn't have the constitution to keep him in jail. She always drops the charges because she cannot follow through 
with tough love. But I, mean, I also think he's 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 still saying stuff to her every day when they're talking. You what know? is he saying? I don't know what he's saying, but he's convincing her. Mom, I'm gonna I'm gonna get better. Mom, I'm gonna get me I'm out more... of here. I hate it here. Mm. It's the worst thing. There's like scary people here. I'm not like that, you know. You're you're saying that's why she drops the charges because he's killing know. her from prison. Well, I don't it's know. Okay, you can guess. I don't know. We're freedom here, baby. Yeah, freedom. But I for like for me, <laughs> you would never keep the charges. <laughs> never ever. Okay, baby, I'll be right over to pick oh, you yeah, up. Oh yeah, for sure. You need to As stay. A mom, like you need some milk. You're making me want to go over there and giving them sandwich and milk. I feel like they need it. This is the heart of the story to me. Oh, I know I said it was we need to talk about Jesse, but I think it really comes down to when do you give up on your kids? That's a thing. I don't know. And I think the answer is you don't. You don't ever. A good parent never would. It's uh, it's it's literally as the not to get. I'm not trying to be funny, but it's literally as the knife is plunging like into your neck as it is like there it is because it's not like she called amy to be like these are i will die tonight yeah and i just want you to know these things she still had hope she's like when are you coming home yeah you will save us when you come home right if we can just diffuse the tension yeah. that's here in this moment we'll live to see another day yeah all right, let's talk about the aftermath of the murder. I've, I've learned of a new abuse. Just when you thought you knew all of the ways you could abuse someone, now we've learned about litigative abuse. Oh, thank you. I was I was also. Oh. I was like, I learned, I learned a term. New abuse alert. Burr, 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 burr. Yeah. Who knew? And it does sound awful. It sounds terrible, and it felt it feels like a failure of a lot of systems. And I don't know if we should get into that aspect necessarily, because I'm sure a lot of people will have different feelings about that. Um, but what the fuck was up with this parole hearing? Oh my god! Come on, she's so emotional that they ask her to mute herself. First of all, you can mute somebody else if you're so yeah annoyed with the crying because somebody. You could mute them. We don't know anything about how a parole hearing is run, but who is running this shit? Because it feels like someone should be in charge of, like, health and safety. He threatens her outwardly, even says her address, and no one's shutting it down. No one's saying anything. And then he doesn't want to listen to her statement, and he just has the right to not do that. I I work on film crews, and... There would be a person on a film crew that ran this shit. I know, but during COVID, right? You're like seeing, you're like hearing, shut up, what's going on? Like somebody's like presenting something and someone's like, what are you talking about? Then there's like yeah. a penis out. And you're like, everyone's like, what do we do? It's like, you can. Unmitigated waters, <laughs> I guess. You can do things like mute someone and turn off their video or kick them out of the call. You can do things. But he's so. Like, he's so obviously, like, huh, there should be, like, a parole, like, 
observer. Yeah. No, totally. And it's like, sorry, as soon as you threaten your sibling in the Zoom call, yeah. your parole hearing is over. You don't get to decide when it but is. But nobody said anything. It's over. You don't get parole. If you threaten during your parole hearing, you don't get parole. How about that? How about we start with yeah. that? Yeah. That should I be mean, a rule. That's obvious. And clearly, it wasn't like it was muffled. Yeah. And they're recording it. It's all yeah. right here. It's there. So why isn't anyone saying like, hey. Hey, we have a list of things that will stop your parole hearing and threatening a victim of your crime is like number one on the list. This is one of those things. So you probably shouldn't continue with what you're saying. So you probably won't get parole. He said some random address. Hmm. And he's saying words like, I'm going to find you and kill you. And he does this. He does the yeah. finger across the throat. Um, Later on, when he gets taken to justice for attempting to kill his uh, CO. Well, can we back up real quick? I know, but I just want to get through this. I understand, but... He has stabbed over 90 people. Yeah, but they're just criminals. Prison. Right. Okay, so it doesn't matter. Right. Yeah. Sorry, let's move on. Fuck them. <laughs> I mean, that's the point she was making about the right. system. Totally. He can still get a parole hearing despite him stabbing 90 people. I thought you could get, you could, you know, get in trouble for that. But I guess not. No, they're not real people. But you attempt to kill your... CO. CO. Correctional officer. Which is worse. Sorry to go forward here. Actually which is worse than actually killing your mom, which is like, does that seem weird? Not that we're trying to get into like indictment of system talk, but yes, we feel you. We feel you, Amy. I'm just saying, but actual murder versus not actual murder seems like you'd get less. She gets shushed by the judge, remoting, and then he gets to talk the whole way through her statement. Like, again, I have to ask, who's running this shit? I know. But she's crying because her mom died. I mean, that's just fucked up. I think it's a terrible thing, too, that he abuses her by making her live in this unsure situation of will the police continue to investigate me like he keeps trying to implicate her somehow or pin it on her and it seems that hires a headman yeah it seems at one point the police are actually like following the line of questioning again and that's a really scary thing to just walk around with that fear but whatever she she, as she says, she decides to work for justice rather than wait for it. And now he's put away for life, really, because of the three strikes. Murder of the mother, attempted murder of the CO, and a death threat to her. Three strikes, you're out. Justice prevailed. What do you think she's talking about when she points to this idea of a survivor's responsibility? I love that. You do? I mean, I don't love it. I'm just saying it was, I thought it was true. She lost both of her parents. 
she's lost her brother to prison and now she's got these kids and she's constantly triggered watching them and how they interact with each other but she's got a lot of wonderful things to say at the end here you know she learns from her mother to never give up her mom lives on and her kids and she makes this point and what we've talked about many times about generational trauma that what's not fixed is forwarded <laughs> and she seems bound and determined to break any cycles there and then something really lovely that she talks about at the end that we've also sort of pointed to is we are in an emotional revolution <laughs> i love that which is very exciting and hopeful though they'll they'll still mute her if she's crying well you can't be too emotional i do like that emotional revolution hopefully that's true yeah i think it is people are talking yeah i think therapy isn't like the worst thing anymore it doesn't have the same stigma attached to it yeah of course we only talk to people like us so what do we know wait <laughs> yeah uh Anything else, T? I do. It was that thought that she had. Was it her mom gave up her life so she could be free? Yeah. I was thinking, as a mom to very young kids at this point, what I'm thinking is that maybe she thought, though, that just existing would help. Just existing would help. Like... That she could help change her son, that she could help protect her daughter, and that, like, being in the world, she could do that. But I'm thinking that from, again, the perspective of having young kids, where I'm like, I must be present and here to make sure I'm protecting everyone and making sure everyone feels you know, like they can change for the better. Um, and I can, I can support that. But then there's a point, and I'm wondering when, when that point is, where maybe it makes sense for me to not exist so that, like, one of my kids can be free. And I think that's a big jump. And that's something, like, maybe she could accept and maybe she did accept. But um, I'm not sure that's that's something that's easy. Because I, I got to say, I feel like just me being here helps out no matter what. If there's a problem, I'm here. Any yeah. problem, like, as long as I'm here, it's okay. Like, if I'm not here, I don't know what's going to happen. And I feel like there's a fear there. Like, if if she were to die, at this point, she's living for her kids. She's not trying to have, like, a relationship or anything. Yeah. But there must be, like, a fear there. Like, if he does kill me... I lose my life, but I wonder 
Like, what if he gets away with it? Is he going to go for her now? Will his focus from me, you know, change to to my daughter now? I mean, I don't think... I... So that theory, um, for me at least, and again, I'm, I'm a parent of young kids, in retrospect and symbolically... Maybe that's true, but that's that's a hard one. That's that's pretty. That's a big. It's a big big jump, for me. It's wild because Amy's mom, the way she's presented to us from Amy, is she comes across as this nurturer. She's very wise. She's got. She says platitudes that are full of wisdom and guidance and love. And she's decided instead of, you know, seeking a relationship, she's going to just invest in her kids, like you said. And she finds fulfillment in her career and her fucking goddamn dream was to be a high school teacher, which is like mental on, you know, the face of it. But, you know, it says a lot about her character that that was her dream. Like this woman has a lot of awareness. I, however... I cannot believe that she really actually thought her own son would actually murder her. I think even as the knife was going in, it had to be the shock of her life. Because we have to live in these ignorances sometimes. We have we have to. If we were able to really think about actual possible tragic outcomes from people that we really care about, we wouldn't make it. And so sometimes it's it's foolish, but it must yeah. exist for life to carry on, for us to carry on day to day. I do not think she ever thought that this would happen to her. I think that's really powerful what you're saying. I think that is what like true love is. Yeah. She didn't believe it. I'm not, you know, trying to like minimize what she was saying because I do I, I think that is a powerful thing as well. It's like that is ultimately the result is that she gave her a life so she could be free. Yeah. And I think that is truth. But then there's also her mom didn't believe he'd ever do something like that. Yeah. On purpose. Yeah. I mean, he's psychotic. I mean, you must be. How do you turn on the one person that loves you the most unconditionally, that brought you, that birthed you, that raised you, that always gives you a second chance? How, how are you capable of turning on that person? It's really sad. It's so sad. And and he, she loved she loved him. Of course. No matter what he did. How could she not? Even even you know with that. I have to forewarn you. Um Amy sent us some pictures that were that we're gonna put on the actually happening Instagram page. The day after 
her episode is released and it's got some family photos and after knowing the story and seeing the pictures and they have pictures of her and her brother when they were kids and her mom you know it's like you look at these pictures these captured moments in time you just have no idea what's going on in a household or what the future is going to bring and it's just so tragically sad all right are we ending on a low note? I mean, I don't think there's any other way. This was a hard one. Awful. I mean, the only other way to like make it positive is that she's getting her story out there. Yes. What Amy's doing with her life is so wonderful. Like, she really is trying to connect with people and make a community of but with people for healing maybe to prevent future or at least have a support system for things like this y'all we will be following the this is actually happening break schedule for the next three weeks as they're airing rebroadcasts we will not be doing those episodes however a special Christmas gift to our audience. Even though we will not be doing a This Is Actually Happening episode, we will have two episodes dropping Christmas week. Storyteller follow-up. TBD, I know. No one else knows. I know I'm the storyteller now. And a special... Uh, the storyteller knows too? You're such a good yeah. planner. I know. And comments episode. All next week. Christmas week. Maybe we'll see what a Carol. We? Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. I, I see Mariah Carey in our midst. Thank you for listening. This has been an episode of Trauma Bonded. You can find our show where podcasts are kept. If you like us, please rate and review us on Apple or other places or reach out on Instagram. Thanks to Amy for sharing their story and giving us the opportunity to talk about it. And thanks to the This Is Actually Happening team, including Whit Misseldine and Andrew Waite and the maker of our music and website, Nathaniel Tromboli, and thanks to Kathy Seitz, Lovey Curl, for editing this episode. Bringing it. Totally bringing it. And to Katie Capel for building those blasted Instagram posts. You can contact us at traumabondedpod at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at traumabondedpodofficial or visit our website at traumabondedpod.com. We are trauma bonded to the story, to the storyteller, to the listeners, and to each other. Thanks for spending time with us today. Love you, T. Love the alley. Trauma Bond.